0: We continue worshiping God now as we hear His Word in the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 22. I invite you to stand for the reading as you're able. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind his hand and feet and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. You may may be seated. In today's parable, much like several of the readings we've encountered in Matthew over these past several weeks, Jesus once again reveals His heart for us. This poignant story comes on the heels of severe criticism of Jesus by the Pharisees. I've been wrestling with how to welcome us into this text with the tension that was present at the time that Jesus told this story. Maybe you might think of family members or co-workers or friends uh, of opposite views, polar opposites, who uh, when they encounter one another always get at it, right? And maybe for some of you, you cringe Some of you pull out the popcorn. Uh, But either way, there's this tension. And that's the tension we encounter as Jesus' authority is being challenged by the Pharisees. And so he tells this story to help us understand God's heart for us, God's authority over us, juxtaposed to the Pharisees who want to shape Jesus and shape the world in their own image. And so Jesus welcomes us into this text. Let's set the players first of all. The King is God the Father. Jesus is the Son. And the location is heaven. So the picture here isn't the church now, but the church that will be Everlasting, and his servants that he sends out to welcome people to this feast—that's you and me. And then you and I are also there's a are in there too because we're the ones who are also receiving uh, the invitation. And so we'll look at each of these characters and each of these scenes as Jesus welcomes us in to this response to the Pharisees in this. Tense conversation. In the first scene, God lays out this widespread invitation, welcoming people in. Jesus is inviting people to this feast that will have no end. This is good news. This promise of eternity, God is welcoming us to. And yet, people aren't listening. And so he sends out more servants and he's saying, this table is ready, come. And yet, folks are so busy with their business, with their work, with their daily grind, that they ignore what's going on. To get some of the way that the Pharisees would have heard this, We'll go at it maybe from a a negative perspective for a moment. Think about getting a letter in the mail from the IRS. You don't open it because you don't want to face it. And it only gets worse from there. You see, ignoring the invitation is what the Pharisees were doing. Ignoring what Jesus had to offer ignoring the table that the king had set they assumed it was something bad and yet God's heart was for our good but ignoring it only causes more and more problems that they never expected so now with all of those warm and fuzzy feelings that you have now about taxes and the IRS let's continue in this passage Because the tension continues to mount. And Jesus is disrupting his challengers and pointing us anew to God's heart. And what we discover is that there are folks here ignoring this promise being laid out before them. The invitation is there, but we just keep ignoring it. We ignore it in so many different ways. In light of God's beautiful creation right out these windows, we ignore it. In light of God's Word sitting right before us, we ignore it in our lives. We even fail to take time to listen. In light of God's huge promise for us, this gift of salvation, we ignore it and instead try to earn our own way there and attempt to be good people. You notice that in this parable, both the good and the bad are welcomed. And so as we enter into this word from Jesus, we are also being challenged like the Pharisees not to ignore this invitation. Have you ever ignored something so long, that it caused you more trouble? You see, Martin Luther points out that what Jesus is doing here as he's inviting us, he's calling us out of the kingdom on the left, as Luther will call it, and into the kingdom on the right, into God's kingdom, out of the grind of the world that we're living in, into the promise of God's kingdom that will come. It's painting a picture of hope and joy, hope and joy that we hear in the Philippians text this morning. Simply not just living in this world, but being part of something bigger, the feast to come that will have no end. So often, as some authors write today, we live in this imminent frame where where there is no transcendence. We don't even consider what God is up to. And Jesus is calling us out of that captivity into this celebration. Out of the preoccupation of all the things that we want to get done. And from God's Word to invite us to pray, His kingdom come, His will be done. You see, when we ignore God's promises, it leads us to worry and distress. When we remember the hope is, that is to come, it puts perspective on everything else. But then there's that next scene where we don't just ignore the invitation as God sends out his servants again to invite us we respond to it with hostility we attack those pharisees were attacking that Jesus that day and let's be honest we do too we don't like something in the word, or we don't think it fits into uh, our way of doing life. We we'd rather have that that old truism: "God helps those who help themselves," rather than just "God helps us." Somehow, it makes us feel better. Or we're hostile to the truth of God's Word altogether. You don't have to go much farther than YouTube on your computer screen to see those who are mounting arguments. Trying to persuade those who believe away from this one true faith. We like to shape the world in our image and kind of make it fit into our boxes. It wasn't that long ago that my daughters were studying the laws of planetary motion and they studied the the geocentric worldview, you know, with the earth in the center of everything. Ptolemy, who was a brilliant guide, worked out this great mathematical formula assuming the world was centered with the earth and he even was able to predict when we could see the other planets in the sky with this formula. The only problem was he was dead wrong. When Kepler came along to tell us and to Recognized that the sun was at the center of the universe and that the earth and its planets moved in this elliptical orbit. People didn't buy it, they didn't like it. It didn't fit their worldview, and yet it was the truth. And so, Jesus is inviting us to shift from a thinking of our own making to God's truth. To submit to His Word. To submit to His grace. And yes, even to submit to His call in the holy mission like those messengers sent out. But we attack and we attack. And what we discover here in this text is that not the warm and fuzzy, cuddly Jesus... But the Jesus who will have none of it, ignoring Him will not be for our good. Attacking Him will not be for our good. God the Father and God the Son will come again to judge the living and the dead. And the truth is that the world of our making will quickly come to an end as we submit to the reality of the truth that God is at the center of the universe. Jesus condemns. It's worth noting here that it's God who does the condemning and it's God who does these violent acts. It's not put on us, His messengers. And yet, even after all of that brokenness in the parable, God's heart for us, God's character of love still remains. what happens next in this next scene? He sends out the messengers again. Even though we've ignored Him. Even though we've attacked Him. Those who rejected Him have been condemned, but God is not done sending out His message of mercy and love for the world. And so He goes out and gets whoever will come to the feast, the good or the bad. And there, that again, is us. As we encounter God's character, His heart is for us. For us as we submit ourselves before His promise. But then sometimes when we show up, even here in this place, we accept the invitation, we hear God's heart, but then we want to crash the party and make His party once again in our own image. And so there's this weird, strange part about the king noticing this guest at the feast who doesn't have the right clothing on. Now let's get this straight. This imagery is for God in heaven. It's not right now, so no one cares what you're wearing today. God is talking about something else. These wedding garments, as we look at the preceding parables that Jesus told, we begin to get a clue of what Jesus is talking about. Most commentators think that Jesus is talking about righteous living. God isn't trying to make us wonder, am I part of the few and be nervous? God is, when it says, those who are called, few will be chosen. He's saying, no, it's not to make us a nervous wreck. It's to remind us to respond to this invitation with righteous living. To align our lives under God's word. To align our hearts in reception of God's grace. And so not wearing the wedding garment is not receiving that gift and then well receiving that gift and then not living like it. Other commentators think maybe Jesus is just simply talking about the word of God that we need to Be reminded that it's God who shapes our reality under His Word. And finally, Martin Luther looked at this text and thought it's those who try to come to the party without faith. We need to, as Romans and Colossians remind us, put on Christ and receive faith. Receive this gift of salvation through faith. One commentator noted that Jesus doesn't specify which of these he's talking about here. But I think looking at all of those preceding parables that Jesus tells leading up to this one, we can feel confident in saying it's probably all of the above. That God's heart welcomes us to the feast, but he invites us to receive it with faith through grace. And then to live like it as his disciples. To not ignore this gift. To not ignore this invitation. To not respond to it with hostility. And to hear God's heart for us and his character for us. Not by mocking it. By saying, All, I'll, I'll accept your invitation, but only on my terms. No. Only on Christ's terms can we receive this gift. And so, friends, God invites us this day to be part of this eternal feast, to be part of this party on God's terms, by God's invitation, by God's act of grace, and under the authority of God's word. Let's be part of this feast that will have no end. And let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen.